episode 45. This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast today, Monday, April 3rd. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Trevor Nargis, senior trader, joins us. Hello. Hey, good morning, Danny. And Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Good morning to you. Good morning. So for the golf fans out there, it's Masters Week, so an important week in that sense. But market-related, we got a pretty short week this week. Markets are closed on Friday in observance of Good Friday. It's going to be relatively quiet on the earnings front. The March jobs report will be one of the main points of focus this week. That doesn't come out until Friday, however. There's going to be non-farm payrolls that are expected to rise again, with the unemployment rate forecast to hold fairly steady. Bank of America actually forecasts a slight deceleration in the overall growth rate of that job figure. So so they're saying that it should come in at about 265k as far as job gains are concerned and still be relatively high compared to history but that's indicative of the growth rate slowing down a little bit average hourly earnings are expected to rise slightly month over month but that year over year figure should also moderate a little bit stepping aside from the labor market side of things markets are also going to be watching auto sales and delivery numbers from some of the major auto producers this week so the Mannheim used vehicle index will also be coming out as well and we'll get some insight into that as seasonally adjusted prices were lower in the first half of March. And then, as many of you might have heard, OPEC is uh, planning to cut production, and they're also going to be meeting uh, sometime this week to kind of discuss output a little further here. So, Matt, let's get into strengths here. I don't think it would be too crazy me to say that stocks have been a strength. Oh, certainly. I think there's actually been a barbell of, of stocks and cash. So, the NASDAQ led the line in the first quarter, up almost 20%, highlighted by Meta, Tesla, NVIDIA, up all over 60 uh, in fact, Tesla and NVIDIA almost doubled over that time period. So risk on attitude certainly worked out really well in Q1. I think a lot of that has to do with the thought process that the Fed is going to be switching over. They're going to be going to pause now and then maybe pivoting later. However, in our research, you know, that's kind of mixed. The pause generally has had flat to up, you know, returns over that time period. But the pivot, generally because something's broken and, and needs to be fixed and they need to start cutting rates. I know our, our team has talked a lot, um, in, even on the radio this last week, and over that hurricane analogy of that eye of the storm being that pause. And then the second half of that hurricane maybe being the earnings weakness that might be coming up or economic slowdown. And then the other side, that barbell offside of stocks was the money markets, still yielding really, really high. It's gotten a lot of press over the last couple of weeks, which frankly, the press has been late to the game. We've been talking about that for months and months and months, about the need to take your cash and put it in higher yielding treasuries, money markets, instead of just being in the bank. And that's really been highlighted over the last few weeks in the business news. Yeah. And dialing it back to stocks in general here, We've seen some performance of equal weight be better than market cap weighted. I know you have some points on breadth later, so we'll get into that. But just focusing back on the stocks in general, Q1 was also quite solid. The S&P 500 was up about 7.5% through the end of the quarter. And what I found quite interesting was Ryan Dietrich, who's the chief market strategist at Carson Group, he put together a really interesting visual that pointed out when you tend to see this in the past, stocks actually tend to have a pretty strong remainder of the year. You know, his work highlights that the past 16 times this has happened, it's happened 16 times in the research that he's done. But of those 16 times, the S&P 500 has been up more than 7% in Q1. 
the index has consistently finished the year higher and on average has been up about 23%. Now, not to say that that's indicative of what's to come in the future. And Matt, going back to one thing that you touched on earlier is that if the market is more concerned about growth from here on out and the Fed maybe does need to cut rates, that's certainly going to be something to keep in mind. But I think with the kind of seasonality trend and what Q1 performance tends to maybe spell out for the rest of the year, you know, it's kind of been something that our CIO, Derek Felsky, has touted in regards to the third year of presidential cycles. So, right, it's the third year of Joe Biden's term, and typically the third year of a president's term has seen pretty strong performance in the equity markets. Yeah, it certainly has. And I think going back historically, that that tends to have the highest returns of the four-year presidential election cycle is that third year coming off the midterms and then going into the next year. And so far, you know, that has worked out well here. Transition over to weakness. One thing that, that I've been seeing a lot is in terms of market breadth. So we highlighted some of those big names earlier in terms of the NASDAQ, Tesla, NVIDIA, Meta, in terms of their outperformance, which drove that, that market cap out. Apple and Microsoft have done very well as well. In fact, they're, they're actually at a spot, too, where, where those two names are the largest concentration, two names that we've seen in quite a while from an S&P 500, and that's from mega cap outperforming. But when you start to dig a little bit deeper, uh, you start to see that when, when comparing companies versus their 200-day trailing average, you're starting to see a lot of those smaller companies start to underperform that and get below. And that's really happened through this range that we've seen the S&P in between 3,800 and 4,200. Now that we're near that top part of that range, you're starting to see companies not outperform as much as they were before. Small caps, only 32% of them are above their 200-day. NASDAQ's really the bright spot. It's about 70 to 80% of those companies are above their 200-day. So that's still showing some strength, but that's something we need to watch for. Is that is that going to create a bottom in the market in terms of having the market start to pull down as those companies aren't able to stay at their levels? You have a lot of these companies that are somewhat holding support or kind of broader areas of the market that are holding support, but it becomes a matter of what we touched on earlier is that what is going to be the expectation for growth and how might that change given any sort of policy moves from here. Let's take it into some of the more fundamental side of it, and I would say a weakness would be that the S&P 500 is the constituents of that index are expected to report a year-over-year earnings decline with a contraction of about 6.6% for Q1 of 23. This would actually be the largest decline since pretty much COVID, Q2 of 2020. I think that kind of goes in line with what we've been talking about as a team and what we've been watching throughout this year, where actual earnings have been pretty resilient. Now they have, you've seen some contraction, you've seen estimates come down, but actual earnings have been fairly strong. And that's really a function of corporations being able to pass along higher prices to consumers. But now those higher costs are somewhat finally starting to catch up to some of these corporations. I mean, just this morning coming in, you know, you heard the note from McDonald's that they're starting to lay off workers and they talked about increasing costs, whether that be supporting franchisees, higher labor costs, things like that. But all these higher input costs are really starting to catch up to these companies. And you're seeing that start to hit margins as well. Uh, you know, we've seen charts about operating margins and profit margins and, and how those are starting to get pressured. So definitely something to watch. You know, our teammates Blaine Disrude and Jason Cooper did a really good job last week of touching on credit as well. And debt issuance has slowed. We've seen loan growth slow significantly. And with company earnings set to slow, like I just talked about, you know, we could see more more layoffs to come, which, you know, we've seen WARN notices pick up. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the WARN Act is the Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification. And that act helps to ensure 
ensure advance notice in cases of qualified plant closings and mass layoffs. So we've seen those warn increases pick up as well, and you tend to see initial unemployment claims follow that. So definitely something to watch, kind of taking all that earnings information into account with kind of the broader macro backdrop. Yeah, switching over now onto the opportunity side, I think China's one that we need to watch really carefully from an opportunity. Now, we use a lot of active management when we look overseas, especially on the emerging market side, and talking to the portfolio managers that we use and, and, and have used in the past, China really is that hot button issue, which you know certainly from talking to our clients as well it is. They have different views in terms of the strength of the reopening of China, but a couple of things that really caught my eye over the weekend is that the World Bank has increased the estimate of GDP growth up to 5.1. They previously had it at 4.5%. Um, a lot of that is in terms of being passed that zero COVID of those lockdowns that they had. Personal savings rates are up in China as well, too. There's a staggering 33%, which I just couldn't imagine saving 33% that's, of that's, my money. That's crazy to think uh, about. Especially with kids, but <laughs> maybe that, that's a cultural difference there for sure. Um, but that's up from 29% that was pre-COVID. And a lot of their spending now is becoming almost U.S.-like in terms of services. Manufacturing hasn't picked up there, and you start to see a lot of U.S. companies starting to move out or, or rethink their manufacturing in China, but the service spending is the area that's really picking up. In fact, it's hitting highs that have hasn't been seen in, in since 2011. So we're starting to see a different type of spending. We're starting to see higher spending numbers come out of there. And that's an area that, especially from an active manager standpoint, they can pick through and find the opportunities that are available there. But I think China's an area that, that we need to look closer at. Yeah, and I want to kind of piggyback off of what you talked about with you know spending changes and changes in that. And I think that also speaks to something that we've been watching in the broader emerging market space that, you know, the opportunity over there exists really because you've had rates move a lot faster in EM economies than you have developed nations. So any further rate hikes from, you know, someone like the U.S. or the ECB might not have as big of an effect on these EM economies. And so where does that take us then? Well, looking at growth differentials and valuation discrepancies, EM is really attractive from a valuation standpoint. And to finally touch on what you were talking about earlier, Matt, is that you have a lot of these EM economies that are starting to bring people out of poverty. And I think India is a great example of that. And with spending changes, as more people come out of poverty, there's generally an increase in demands for goods and services because people who were previously unable to afford things, they can now afford them. And you have more discretionary spending that can be done. Maybe there's more of an appetite for luxury goods that comes into play. So definitely some, some spending changes, some demand changes, but it makes a really interesting case for EM given those changes and kind of current valuation levels right now. I would say back to broader stocks in general, you know, from a seasonality standpoint, April is actually a pretty strong month for stocks. You know, we talked about how small caps have kind of been holding a support range, so maybe that could bode well, but in general, seasonality points to maybe an opportunity there for stocks to run a little bit. Well, I think you're bypassing my favorite one on your opportunity list. You know, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to get into it right away, but there's an opportunity non-market related for the city of San Diego to get a major championship. Their last major championship was in 1973 when they won the NCAA volleyball title. So the potential for almost a 50-year drought to end here for the Aztecs tonight. So we'll see. Well, they have perfect weather every day, so I guess you don't have everything. Let's move into threats here. What do we got? Threats for me is is core inflation still going up in, in Europe, up 5.7% in March. That's up 
from 5.6. It's the highest since 2001. Now, cores could exclude the volatile elements of food and housing, but it tends to be stickier, longer-lasting inflation, um, and it's going to cause the ECB to continue to raise interest rates. You know, and especially if we're in a spot where the U.S. might be pausing, if the ECB is continuing to raise, that's going to create a really interesting dichotomy of currency changes over that time period with one flat or maybe reducing interest rates, another one increasing during that time period as well, too. But it's going to be really interesting to see as well, too, because from a productivity standpoint, which helps lower inflation, the U.S. is so tech heavy, which helps allow a lot of that. In Europe, that's one of the lowest sectors that they have in their economy. The really old technology or financials is really one of their big areas, too. So I think watching that over the course of the rest of the year is going to be one of the things I'm going to watch out for the most. Yeah, and as far as inflation maybe being a little stickier here is that we've seen accelerating growth as well as far as business activity is concerned. Typically, when you see business activity rise, output prices tend to rise, which puts upward pressure on inflation. So something to watch there, the threat is that inflation could be a little stickier because we've seen activity increase, but output prices are following that. And that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, right, is that you're starting to see margins take a hit because these higher costs are finally starting to eat at these companies bottom line. The last thread that I want to touch on is that there's the potential for yields moving lower. So bond markets continue to be really focused on inflation risk and rate hikes, which is keeping yields elevated right now. But as we've talked about, there looks to be, especially in the equity markets, more concern around future growth if and when that slows. And if the bond market starts to do somewhat of the same, you could see yields start to drop a little bit because, you know, when you have weaker growth, you've got credit stress, housing market issues, lower inflation coming down. It, it tends to be a recipe for bond yields coming down and being a little lower. So a threat there is that yields come down. Let's roll around the room. Let's get our headlines, headline strength. Outperformance of the NASDAQ and stocks in general combined with the barbell approach of active cash management. Headline weakness? Market breadth, and then starting to see stocks start to fall below their 200-day moving average and potentially moving lower. Headline opportunity? China reopening and potential opportunities in emerging markets. And headline threat? Inflation being a little stickier here. Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 45. Trevor Nargis, Senior Trader, thanks. Thanks, guys. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager, thanks. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.